morning services, uh, we were looking at the whole area of gifts and callings. And we're going to be doing this really um, between now and uh, the, the start of Christmas. And really, it's divided into two areas. The first area we're looking at is really service within the church. I believe every Christian is called to serve the body of Christ. We're called to have some form of ministry, and we're, we're going to talk a bit more about that. And so for the next few weeks, we're, we're focusing on that. We're encouraging people to sign up. And uh, at the end of this service, we, we're, we're focusing on Sundays, signing up on Sundays. There are lots of other things across the week, but we're focusing in this series on Sundays. And after this service, there's going to be opportunity. Uh, you see our county in banners either side. There's going to be an opportunity to, to sign up to help with church lunches. Uh, our, our lunches make a massive difference. They, they, when we introduced them last year, they, they transformed the life of the church and what was happening and enabled us to start to build community. We're really keen to keep them going uh, each week, if possible. But in order for that to happen, we need people to volunteer and help out. Um, and we need to build a volunteer base. And, uh, and so after the service, if you're interested in helping, and again, you might be thinking, well, I'm not very uh, good at this sort of thing. But it doesn't matter. We'll find you a job. <laughs> and um, maybe not cooking. And, uh, but but uh, if you're interested in helping out, even if it's on an interim basis, we're not talking about every week. Maybe it's once every eight weeks or something like that. Come and sit over here on the left-hand side after the service, and Alex will speak to you before you go down for coffee. If you're interested in helping out and supporting our children's or youth work, we're going to ask you to come and sit on the right-hand side and uh, as, as we recruit into these areas as well. So uh, lots of opportunities. That's only half of what's going on. There's loads more stuff, but I'll tell you about that as we go into the following, the, the next few weeks as we develop. But this morning I want to turn to, to 1 Corinthians 12 and, and continue to develop this study on gifts and callings. And last week we were looking at the whole work of the Spirit. And we saw that in verse 15, Paul says, we are all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body. We are all baptized into one Spirit. In the New Testament, you have to determine whether it's talking about baptism in the spirit or baptism in water. And uh, we were, we were, I was introducing my conviction. Some don't share it. Some of the senior pastors that went out last week were going, mm, not sure about this. But, but a lot of times when it talks about the one baptism, for instance, the one baptism that's uh, blazoned here on our baptistry isn't water baptism. It's not that one baptism. The one baptism is the baptism in the Spirit. And, 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 and I think this is a kind of foundational understanding of the church. It, it means that water baptism neither makes you a Christian or a member of the body of Christ. Both, I think, are actually heresies. Uh, and they've actually been taught by different groups at different points. Baptism expresses the fact that you are a Christian and a member of the church. How do you become a member of the church? How do you become a Christian? You are baptized in the Spirit. And, and that's how Paul would have talked about becoming a Christian. He wouldn't have said, are you a Christian? They didn't ask that when Paul was around. He would have said, are you baptized in the Spirit? 
Actually, if you look at Acts 19, you'll find a story exactly where this is happening. Were you baptized in the Spirit? Are you, and, and what they mean by that is not have you ticked some boxes about what you believe. Oh, yeah, I believe Jesus died, and I believe Jesus rose again. And, uh, you know, and you tick all these boxes. I believe he's coming back again. So I must be a Christian because I believe these things. That wasn't the question. They wanted to say, have you encountered the living God? Do you know God as the one who is alive at work, moving through his spirit in your life and encounter with God? You see, we know Christ, not as a historical figure who lived 2,000 years ago, but we know him as a living Lord through the work of his spirit in our life. My favorite illustration of this is a guy was preaching down at Hyde Park Corner, and, and he made a declaration. He said, Jesus is alive. And a skeptic at the back of the crowd goes, how do you know? And he said, I was speaking to him just this morning. You know, it's a living reality, and it's an encounter and an experience out of which comes our faith. Now, that doesn't mean the propositions aren't important, all right? And, and, you know, those things that we affirm and believe, yes, they are. But they come out of an experience and an encounter with the living God. And then we begin to work that out both intellectually and in our practices and in our doctrines. And so the Spirit of God is the foundation for all that happens within our life spiritually and for the foundation for what happens in the church. And Paul here is saying, because you've been baptized into that Spirit, the Spirit of God now calls you to serve one another. And we're called to serve. And each of us, because of the Spirit living within us, is called to serve the body of Christ. And he says, every one of you is essential and vital in this. The, the analogy he uses in, in chapter 12 is the idea that, is the idea of the body. And, and he's kind of saying, you know, because one person is different or one part of the body is different from another part of the body, it doesn't mean you can dispense with it. Because the ear isn't an eye, it doesn't mean you can get rid of your eyes <laughs> or, or you can get rid of your ears. He actually goes on to say, because some things are publicly visible and have ministries, publicly, and they're visible to everyone. And he says, other things aren't. You know, they're hidden. They never stand up. They're never really recognized. But he says, you know, the invisible things are really important too. In fact, he actually suggests they're more important. Maybe he knew if you lose your heart, you're in serious trouble. <laughs> or your liver. Or your... All these unseen things that are essential to the functioning of the body of Christ. And what he's saying is, all of you are essential. But God has created us so that we are different and we have different functions. There's actually a, a, a dynamic that goes on, which is the dynamic between unity and diversity. I remember as a young man kind of thinking a lot about this. You see, our world needs a balance between unity and diversity. If you go too far in terms of diversity, then everything falls apart. Because if everybody's trying to do their own thing, it, it just degenerates into chaos. And, and uh, so if you emphasize diversity to the exclusion of unity, you end up in trouble. So our, our society at the moment is probably heading towards trouble. Do you know why? Because we emphasize diversity 
with no shared values. And when you have no shared values, then the, that is the route to conflict or oppression, just historically speaking. The other side, though, is when you emphasize unity at the expense of diversity. And uh, when you say everything must be the same, everybody must believe the same, everybody must conform, it, it, it squashes our creativity, our inventiveness, our distinctiveness, and it also ultimately leads to the persecution of anyone who's different. And, and again, that's not what God intends. You see, because if you think about the nature of God, the nature of the creator, the one who has created all things, he is unity and diversity. One God in three persons, the nature of the Trinity. And, and, and again, you can switch off at this point because it may. <laughs> but, but, but the idea is that the nature of the creator God is expressed in the nature of the creation. And so the creation, when it has both unity and diversity, functions in the way that God intended it to. When we emphasize one to the exclusion of the other, then we end up in trouble. And, and, and what Paul's doing here is he's developing this idea of unity and diversity. He says you have one spirit, you've been given one spirit, but that spirit expresses himself in a diverse way, in lots of different functions. And, and so a church needs to have unity. That unity is brought about by an experience of the spirit of God. It's also then brought about through a sharing certain values. But then we are called to express that in different ways. And every one of you, no matter how you have been created, has something to bring. And at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. And, and uh, he, he says in verse 4, if you go back to verse 4, he says, there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. The principle of unity and diversity. What's really interesting is these words that Paul chooses to use. Now, it's possible that Paul is saying the same thing in three different ways, but it's very interesting to see that in the New Testament, we actually have three lists of gifts. We have a list in Romans 12. We have a list here in 1 Corinthians 12. And we have a list in Ephesians 4. And they're all described as gifts. But if you read the list, they're actually quite distinct and different. And it's almost like he's describing slightly different things. And I actually think that this list correlate to these three different ideas. The idea of in my translation, gifts, ministries, and results. Um, or um, better, graces, roles, and empowerments. Let's go to the, the next one. Can we go to that? You see, he talks about three expressions. And what he's saying is the Spirit of God works in kind of three different ways. And what are these three different ways? Well, the, the way is he creates you in a particular way so that you are energized when you do certain things for God. And, and you have a distinctive character. And that, that's the idea of charismaton. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second, uh, where that comes from. But it's basically that people have different orientations. Some people call them motivational gifts. But people are, are, are orientated differently from one another. 
Then, then he talks about diaconon. This is different kinds of services. Uh, the list of gifts in Ephesians 5 talk about how God has given certain roles to the church to help build it up. Um, we'll look at them next week. But there are certain roles. So sometimes people have roles. Not everybody has an official role. But some people have official roles. And roles are a gift to the church. You know, a, a lot of times people now think of leadership as something that brings oppression and problematic and let's get rid of all leadership and everything. And uh, do you know what? It's so unbiblical, it's unreal. The Bible says leadership is a gift of God. We'll talk more about that next week. And, and then the third one is this era gamaton, which, which is the idea, I think, of the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts. These are supernatural empowerments that God gives us. And, and so what Paul is saying is he's saying, you know, the work of God's Spirit shapes you in different ways. It shapes you by making you a particular kind of person. It shapes you by calling you into particular kind of roles. And he shapes you through empowering you in a supernatural way in relation to things. Sometimes these are called manifestation, ministry, and uh, motivational giftings, and, and they, they kind of correlate. But they really correlate to the idea of graces, roles, and empowerment. And I want to just consider the idea of graces, this word, charismaton. The word charis is actually the word grace. And uh, some of you might remember a few years ago, there was a statue in Edinburgh that they were about to ship off to America called the Three Graces. Did any of you see it? And, and, it, and, and they each represented a characteristic. And, and we actually get the word character from charis, from grace. And, and it, means that, it means who you are, who you exude, that thing that defines you as an individual. And, and, and this idea of grace is marked and characteristic of spiritual gifts. You see, God has given different graces or different characters to the life of the church. I believe a lot of people believe actually in Romans 12, Paul lists seven of these characteristics. I don't know if it's exhaustive, but, but, but we see them listed. Can we, we go to the next slide? In Romans 12, Paul talks about prophecy, uh, prophetic characters, serving or helping characters, teaching characters, exhausting characters, <laughs> exhausting <laughs> That was good. <laughs> I, I went to a one-year-old's birthday party yesterday, so... Uh, uh, talking of exhausting. Anyway, exhorting, <laughs> giving, <laughs> giving characters, leading characters, and empathizing or mercy characters. And th this is kind of talking about seven characteristics that the Spirit of God shapes or generates. And, and I would suggest that almost all of us here certainly when I've taught this in the past, will fit into one of these seven things. Now, now let me explain how this happens. Okay? Somebody brings a tray of coffee into a room, and suddenly the person slips up, tray smashes down, coffee goes everywhere. And we have these seven gifts in the rooms, or these seven characters in the room. They all react in different ways to that event. 
See, the prophetic one goes, I knew that would have happened. <laughs> you know, we should have done the health and safety. Why didn't you listen? <laughs> Repent now. <laughs> the, the, the service one goes, ah, and races and gets a cloth from the, from the kitchen and starts mopping up immediately. The teaching one goes, well, maybe we can think about the things we can learn from this situation. And, you know, maybe you didn't have the right weight distribution in the trolley. Here, can I show you? <laughs> the, exerting one, the exhorting one goes, hey, let's not get despondent about this. It's okay. We can make some more coffee and still have a good time. The, the giving one says, hey, can I pray for the breakages? <laughs> you know, can, can I help? You know, I'll, I'll replace the stuff. The leading one says, okay, you go to the kitchen, you sort this, you encourage us all. Yeah. And the emphasizing one gets to the person who's spilled the coffee and goes, puts their arm around and says, hi, oh, it's okay. Seven characters. Now, I would suggest that all of us are one of those seven characters. And, 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 uh, and, and that the Spirit of God operates in terms of us. And, and I'll tell you how you can determine this, dead easily. There are, there are kind of tests and things that people can take. And if you're interested, we can probably dig them out and send you them. But, but it's a very simple way of understanding what kind of person you are is by the sort of things that energize you. Okay, what energizes you? Now, now, let's say you have a gift of teaching. You will find yourself getting energized by, you know, reading for hours and digging into the facts and the Greek and the Bible and all the background to it and all that, and then sharing that with everybody who looked really dull and disengaged at table. I'm, I'm not talking from personal experience, you understand. And, uh, but, but, you know, that energizes you. And, and nothing energizes you more than that. Or, or if you're someone who's into serving, just getting involved in helping. It energizes you. Or if you're an exhorter, you know, just getting alongside people and saying, come on, let, let's encourage one another. Or empathizing. You know, getting alongside someone and saying, hey, it's okay. You know, you'll actually discover that, um, that some of these things will exhaust you. <laughs> they'll, they'll drain you. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe if you can identify the ones that energize you, just identify the ones that drain you. And then think, what are the ones that energize me? Where is it that I get energized? And, and, and Paul, I think, suggests that that energizing is a work of the Spirit. So, so God, through all the experiences and everything, has made you in a particular way. And now when you function in terms of who God's made you, it's like the Spirit kind of energizes that. I, I, one, of the, the, one of the really bad things in our society, and uh, I, I follow a motivational speaker, a guy called Mark, Marcus Buckingham, and, and uh, I, I read a book he wrote which basically said, you know, the problem in life is that we always play to our weaknesses rather than our strengths, and society is set up to that, so, so you know, I was talking to someone and they just did really amazing at maths, but they failed their English, so they've got to get their English, I understand that, but you know, the, the sort of thing that society does is, oh, you failed your English, so you're useless until you get your English. And then maybe you should try and do something that involves writing because you're rubbish at it, and that will help you, okay? And, and, and they get shoehorned into stuff. People get shoehorned in jobs like this. And you know what happens? They get drained, they get burnt out. Yeah. And, 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 and then we say, oh, you're really good at that. And actually, in Scotland, we're phenomenally bad at this. You're really good at that. Oh, better watch that. 
dangerous if you get people who are really good at things. They, they might get proud or haughty or... <laughs> and, and, uh, and actually, you know, we, we, so, so what we should be saying to this guy is you're brilliant at math. <laughs> Put your energies, because you know what? You will only ever probably be average at English, but you know, you may be phenomenal at math. And, 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 and actually affirming, now that doesn't say that we don't have to work on the things that we aren't good at, but we should think about playing to people's strengths and playing to your strengths. If you're younger and saying, I work out what it is that energizes you and where you're strong and play to those strengths. And, and it's the same in the body of Christ that actually as we come to work and serve, uh, we, we all have particular strengths, and we should play to those strengths. Now, now, it doesn't mean that all of us don't need to be involved in things. Sometimes people say, oh, well, you know, my, my gift is uh, prophetic, so I'm not going to help serve coffee, okay? No, you can just serve coffee in a prophetic way. <laughs> <laughs> God said, don't put the milk in first. <laughs> but, 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 it's, but it's orientating yourself who you are in terms of God. Now, I think it's important that we understand. Now, this is also really important that we understand who one another is. Because as a church, when we interact about things, you know, sometimes we'll have meetings or discussions about things. And... Um, you know, a, a leadership type is wanting to get ahead, and then there's somebody in the group going, oh, that's going to upset X or Y. Oh, we've got to think about their feelings and what you're going to do. And, and, and the leadership goes, ah! <laughs> I, I, I remember hearing a story of a, a church that was trying to decide if they would buy a building or not. And they couldn't make up their minds. And they kept having meetings and meetings and meetings and prayer meetings and prayer meetings and and discussing this building. And eventually this business guy who was really fed up with it, he just said, Thus saith the Lord, Bly the blooming building. <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes, yep, yeah, it, it gets like that. But, you know, sometimes people think, oh, they're not, they're not showing much empathy. But maybe they're prophetic. Maybe their function is slightly different. And, and recognizing, and instead of saying, They've got a real weakness there or a real blind spot. Actually say, you know, isn't it great that we have prophetic people who will bring that decisive kind of voice into the church? But isn't it also great that we've got empathetic people who will get alongside folks and care for one another? And hey, you know what? We need to discover how to function and work together as the body of Christ. Where each of us brings the distinctive things that God has built into our lives that energizing of his work, and then work together in serving each other. You know, if we don't do this, Paul's body analogy, he's saying that if we fail to serve within the life of the church, and it is within the life of the church, by the way, we're going to talk about out in the front lines and work in a few weeks' time. That'll be the second half of this series. But this series is about in the life of the church. I believe everybody is called to serve their brothers and sisters within the life of the church. And, and, and he's saying, if you don't bring your distinctive gifts, if you just come and you're just a passenger, you, you just are a spectator, and you never serve one another, 
It doesn't mean that you have to have an official role or stand up front. But if you never actually serve and use who God has created you to be in the service of the life of the church, then the life of the church is not only made poorer by that, but it puts unnecessary strain on other parts of the life of the church. You know, it's just like your body. You know, if your liver decided to take a couple of weeks off, you would notice, I think. Is that right? I know doctors love it when I go medical. <laughs> but you would notice. And, and, and it's the same in terms of the life of the church. You know, if the church isn't functioning, we aren't saying, okay, I, you know, I, I know how God's made me, and I want to recognize how God's made other people. And now I want to put that who I am, into service in the life of the church, whether it's helping with lunches, whether it's working with our children, uh, whether it's being involved in worship, whatever it is, whether it's just actually phoning people up and saying, hey, you want to go for a coffee and a chat? That's a ministry, by the way. Everyone, every one of us needs to be serving one another. So what am I exhorting you to do? I'm saying identify where you sit here, and, and, and get involved. <laughs> Even if it is just phoning people up. Or, or, you know what? I love it when people come up to me and say, hey, I would like to get involved. I can help you. <laughs> Anthony can help you. Rosie can help you. The deacons can help you. you know, but let's be the body of Christ. Because what Paul says is, you see, when the body functions the way it's meant to function, and again, it's not so we just sustain the church and keep the doors open. It's so that the church can fulfill its mission. And it actually becomes that force for change within our community, that power of transformation. Because actually, as people come into churches and they see one another functioning and serving one another, and, and, and the body of Christ functioning in the way it should function, they say, hey, there's something in this. I just finished with this story. There was a, 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 a few years ago, I was sitting chatting in a coffee shop with some people, and they were asking me about how does the church work? And I was kind of explaining to them, people give their time and money to the church to keep it going. And they were amazed. <laughs> they were like, what? Why would you do that? And, uh, and, and I realized as I told them that, of course, it's second nature, because that's what I've always understood. But actually, I realized as I explained that to people, people see that and they think, is there something here? You know, what drives these people? What is the reality that makes them into servants? And surely it's the call of our servant king. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge of Paul's teaching in Corinthians. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to really think about those things where your spirit energizes us. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us not only to reflect on these things, but think about where in the life of the church we could best employ these gifts, employ who you've created us to be. Lord, I pray that we would just know the empowering of your spirit right across every dimension of our life and the lives of this church, Lord, so that we would be and know the empowering of God in building us up to be the people you want us to be. We ask this in your name. Amen.